Are you blessed or are you cursed With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst Do you wanna confide about the darkness inside Come and talk about it on self Alrighty folks, welcome to another episode of Self Worst. I'm Brad Pearson. Hi. This week we're talking to Nick Flanagan once again. He was on the show once about a year, a little over a year ago. And then I went on his show earlier this year. And then he's back on my show. We're doing kind of a tit-for-tat thing. Neither of us have tits. I One of us has tats. I don't know if Nick has any tats. I got some. Does Nick have tattoos? I don't know. I've never met him in person. I've only seen his sweet little face over the Zoom screen. That's it. So I don't, maybe he does. Anyway, it's a good talk. Uh, it's a it's a long one. You know, whenever we talk, we get going, and we just keep uh just keep on keeping on. So I won't ramble too much. I'll let you get to the episode. Not a lot going on this week. Back in the New York groove. Had an okay day at work. The weather is beautiful. And uh, now we're just chilling at home. Caitlin's out. She's uh, she's at a work dinner. She's, there. she's doing her professional lady stuff. They're talking about acquisitions or whatever it is that she does uh, with her uh, real job. For grown-ups. So I got the house to myself. It's just me and Dottie. Dottie got some new food. We started making her this nice food. It's got you know ground chicken and some uh, sweet potato and kale and flaxseed oil, sunflower, or flaxseed and sunflower oil. Uh, it's a bunch of shit. You can look it up. It's a homemade dog food recipe we found. It's developed by a veterinarian. Seems legit. You can put all your additives in it. You know, your fish oil, probiotic powder, vitamins, whatever. And she likes it. She had this thing. Dottie has this thing where she won't eat. She just kind of picks at her food and only eats like once a day. And it was really, you know, she's so skinny. And we wanted her to eat. And now she does. Now she voraciously eats every time. And it's just great. I got to tell you. It's just, it re- you know, it satisfies some paternal instinct within me to nourish this little creature, smaller than me, needs me. I'm feeding the baby, and I need to do that because this is about as close to having a baby as I'm probably ever going to get. Think I'm getting a vasectomy. That's charted. That's happening soon, I think. Unless I chicken out. But I don't think I'm gonna. And well, that's a big decision. It's a permanent decision. That's semi-permanent. I guess it's reversible. Whatever. I'm just, I'm just, I just, I'm pretty sure, man. I've never wanted a baby. No thank you. I have one, and it's a dog. And I'm sorry to be a millennial stereotype with an Instagram for my dog. Seems pretty cringe, but that's who I am. 
I don't care. I like my dumb life. Stupid apartment. Costs too much money, dumb job. Doesn't make enough money. You know, my silly little family, girlfriend and dog. Such as it is, it's all great. Some part of me feels bad for, I don't know, taking myself out of the gene pool. Not giving my parents grandchildren. I don't know, are they disappointed? I hope not. Didn't really discuss it with them. Uh, they seem cool. I don't know. They, 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 they have never... What's cool about my mom and dad is they have never pressured me for any of that. They're just happy that I'm happy. And that's great. So if they're disappointed, I'm sorry. I, it's like that meme of the, you know, the pawn stars guy. And there is like, I want grandchildren. And the guy behind the counter is like, best I can do is not kill myself. I don't know. It's kind of what... This is just what we're working with. I'm going to do good in my life and have a happy life. And uh, eh, babies, I'm sorry. Doesn't seem like that's in the cards. Why? You may ask, why doesn't Caitlin just uh, go on some sort of birth control? Why do we have to do a surgery thing? Because there's side effects to some of the birth control that she was taking. Mind your own business. That's her body. I like what? Am I supposed to just have a baby bring a life into this world just because I feel like I'm supposed to? I already do so much shit that I don't want to do that I feel like I'm supposed to just because that's what you do. I have a job. I f- obey the law. I get up every day and remain living. Enough. You gotta be grateful for what you got. Or something. I don't know. I'm not gonna turn this into like a big wisdom maxim thing. I just hope that you're all happy out there enjoying the summer. I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go do some yard work, I think. We got this tree that was dropping flowers in our backyard, and I've got a leaf blower. And I'm excited to use that thing because I'm going full Hank Hill this summer. It's grill season, baby. And I gotta clean up that backyard, get it all set up. Gonna be smoking some shit. Ribs, maybe fish, I don't know. Sky's the limit. I got a legit grill, I gotta get it ready. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna grill pill this summer. It's gonna be great. Hope y'all are doing well. Let's go to the episode now with Nick Flanagan. How are you? How are you doing? Well, I'm okay. I'm... Oh, shit. Yeah, you brought the uh, the alligator. The oh, alligator yeah. keyboard. Yes. Yeah, Making my... an appearance. That's a that's a, a frequent star on your, uh, <laughs> on your own show. I really appreciate that you know that. Mm-hmm. That means so much to me. Yeah, man, I've been listening to it. It's, uh, you know, I think you're about the only person I know who has actually been kind of following and talking about the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. Um, well, I think there's so many reasons for that, right? Yeah. Like in terms of the people you know, 
because there's lots of people who are doing it. Who oh, a lot know. of people. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> are following it. But uh, I think most people who I talk to are just so repelled by the entire spectacle. And I'm well, glad I think, that I have yeah. somebody in my life who's who's actually like watching it. I know that you, you're not like uh, watching it salaciously. You're watching it as more just like, well, this is a fucked up thing that's happening in the culture. I mean, there's there's an inherent salaciousness to any uh, televised trial involving, especially involving celebrities, I think. But, right. you know, yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I think people don't know what to do with it that much because it's like, I mean, yes, I have a variety of interests, uh, reasons I'm interested in, in it, and I'm sure you do too. And I think that really a lot of the public does, even if they're burying it under all the whatever you know meme memeology whatever yeah. you'd call it and um but uh i also think it's just tricky because i read so many people i know being just like talking about it the one way uh well one of two ways i just see it being discussed either as something where you know amber heard is like a terrible villain or this is another example of the um, court system wronging a woman and it's just like it is such a bizarre specific set of circumstances that I think we need to view it a bit more like uh, if we were just having a getting to watch closed circuit TV of like an alien planet <laughs> on right. some level they're, they're both so far outside uh, the life of anybody who's really invested in this but their trial. personality types maybe are not so i think that's where it and when i say that i just mean he seems like he's just you know he's like the uncle that shows up and gives everyone toys and candy and the kids are all like oh this guy he's so fun and charming and then all you know his family his brother who's the parent is just like yeah, I found him once, you know, in the middle of, uh, uh, in, in the middle of, of, um, beating up a, a, a teddy bear and, and well, well, he was, uh, calling a crossing guard a, a bitch. Right. Yeah. No, the, the other side of it, really? yeah, he tortured our cat when we were kids. So, uh, it was, <laughs> I happen to know that about him. Yeah. I'm glad you have, I'm glad you, you like his little party favors though. His, and, yeah, his, and you know, she, charming. she did, if you watched it. So anyone, I think a lot of the people who are sort of claiming, and then I saw someone who's like, if you got any ounce of entertainment out of this trial, you're, you're slimy. And it's like, mm, you should maybe look through the highlight reel. <laughs> and tell me if you aren't entertained right. by a couple of moments, you know? Right. The the trials of a woman in the public eye who is accusing somebody of, um, you know, domestic abuse. And my instinct is to sympathize with her and and believe her and and just because so often the case is that stuff like this goes sort of unnoticed or unanswered uh, when it comes to a, a, a powerful rich man being abusive to a partner. You know, like that's just, that just seems like 
that's the classic case. But you know, as you've said, it's 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 maybe a little more nuanced than that. You know, I think there's maybe some uh, foul play and severe mental illness on both sides of the relationship. And it sounds like it was maybe just an extremely toxic relationship uh, between two very fucked up people. That said, I haven't really followed the thing. I've just sort of like, like learning it. <laughs> I just sort of like know what's happening in it through osmosis. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I mean, I was, and my partner, we were both watching it, uh, pretty regularly. And, uh, it is something where, you know, there's these characters involved and, you know, having, uh, having spent time in, in, in LA, it's just like kind of interesting seeing those types of people, uh, more her friend group, Amber Heard's friend group. And also, yeah, then his deal, Johnny Depp's deal. But what I was going to say is, I just think if we're kind of using cases as examples, I think, yeah, the, the precedent is probably very bad that, that's set here and uh, the using whether whether or not you know she she was uh you know has all these troubles or whatever the uh smear campaign that was like this this lawyer that johnny depp had employed for a while this this waldman guy who was a represented julian assange but he was also a lobbyist for russia and he was uh for putin or something and uh he he um basically birthed these uh hashtags you know that that were then on twitter kind of 24 7 and i've seen since 2016 since this all came out you know i remember i remember all that and that video of him smashing stuff and her and the uh, bruising or whatever that was already being challenged at that time and so there has been this long-term kind of project to let the public know you know, to, to sway the public to Johnny Depp's side, uh, which, you know, pot potentially Amber Heard's ammo for that was becoming a public speaker for the Me Too movement, which I think is its own problem, you know, when yeah. an actor does that or a celebrity does that. And I think someone like Aja Argento is kind of as interesting, you know, is a, is a to me is a more interesting example of someone who really kick-started a lot of the me too times up thing but also because she had um her own sort of set of accusations that were thrown at her and then this stuff with anthony bourdain where she was portrayed in this movie of his after he died as sort of a uh terrible influence on him yeah basically. that movie really threw her under the bus but then yeah. again like she also like she went to bat and defended uh marilyn manson you know, like, so it's, right. it's hard to know, like, where she's at with all of that stuff. I was just sitting uh, before I got on the Zoom. I was, uh, you know, I was in the bathroom and uh, we have we have a couple. We have like a stack of uh, of Playboys, you know, just classic old Playboys. I like that. A, yeah, I was in a, the bathroom. I was in the bathroom and there's a Sherilyn Fenn. Uh, there's like the, the classic like Twin Peaks Sherilyn Fenn one. And it made me think about like, you know, if, she's cool and like she's part of this really beloved cultural um uh touchstone twin peaks and every fucking like 
cool white indie hipster millennial loves that show and loves everybody involved. But she's also like she's she's a real Depp head. You follow her on Instagram and you're and like all she talks about is like, oh, I love Johnny Depp because I was in a movie with him in the 90s. And so he can't have done anything wrong. And you're like, I don't know, bro. Like, right. it's been a long time. And like, I don't know if this is really. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Like, I mean, you know, it's hard to win a case when there's audio of you going, who's going to believe you? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's that you know, the 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 setup for a, a a slam dunk was 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 there, and I think a lot of the uh, you know public support stuff, especially from other celebrities, was uh, and from and then the opposite of that, where you know all the Twitter verified accounts. There's a woman named Eve Barlow who's a very problematic yeah. internet figure. You know, she she's uh, psychotically pro herd, you know, so it's it's just I think we're, you know, you have people on Twitter, especially those who have garnered attention are some of the most desperate people you'll ever know. And mm -hmm. uh, they're all making more money, too. And that drives me crazy. Yeah. Get them. It's, it's all it's all real fucking cynical. But to me, it's also a story about like like getting into all the. I mean, I, this is sort of falling into the like you know is is not is this something is this not and I I think that that's just a inherent for conflict sort of sort of set of ways of looking at it. But I think it's more about the society's society's predilection now to like diagnose from afar. Mm -hmm. um again you know both from the i think both parties have adhd uh which i thought was an interesting thing to see it, it's about women being uh diagnosed with borderline personality disorder more commonly than men yeah um it's about living with an addict and about you know the um patience that that can entail or lack thereof you know uh, or, or what you know that can create and uh it's about televising the trial <laughs> yeah. and letting and letting the public all hang out in the trial and, yeah it's know. just it's it's all very weird and it's it's funny like it kind of harkens back to the oj trial because it seems like so much of the just general public was kind of already on one person's side or another uh, because they already had all these like nostalgic feelings about, you know, the, the scissor hands. Yeah. They were like, Oh yeah. But he's, you know, like I grew up watching his stuff and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And you know, like they, they want to time changed my life. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, like I, whatever I like, I, I liked him as an actor in the nineties and stuff too. But like, I also haven't like fucking thought about him like really seriously in, I don't know how long because Fucking, what has he been in in the last twenty years that's been worth watching? I don't fucking. Uh, well, I actually checked out his uh, IMDb, not to brag, and he there's this hilarious drop off where it's like basically Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas was sort of the end of what. I guess you could call peak depth where it just seemed like he was 
I think he was for people who are, you know, in their thirties or forties. Now he, he seemed to be following like the, the path that if you were an actor, a very good looking actor, then you'd be doing, you know, Hey, yeah, let's get Hunter Thompson on. Let's get do fear and love in Las yeah. Vegas. And I'm going to be, uh, um, this, you know, Edward Scissorhands and I'm going right. to I'm, I'm famous and rich and very attractive. So I got to do all these quirky roles. And he's doing good. Yeah. Like Robert made, Pattinson thing, you know, he's doing the kind of a Robert Pattinson thing, but you know, and, and I also think he, he, uh, he seemed to have good choices, you know, and he always, and you know, because a movie like what's eating Gilbert grape was like, so well reviewed. And what's weird too, is that he was never the, standout like person in any movie mm -hmm. at that time i guess edward scissorhands just because of the way he looked you know of course he was like the centerpiece but donnie brasco it's like al pacino mm -hmm. um what's it called uh gilbert great it's leonardo dicaprio and the mom yeah and like uh right he's kind of the straight man yeah ed wood you could say it's martin landau you know, yeah. and, and, and so my depth goggles, if you want to call them, when we were talking about it, it's just like, to me, that says that he's like kind of a generous actor and like, maybe he's a bit of a pushover. <laughs> it seems like this trial kind of made him seem that way, you know, bit of a softy, but, but yeah, it's, um, it also, I've never watched like the ins and outs of a trial like this before and all the objections and hearsay and lack of foundation things. You get to call things out in the middle of it. Right. You know, that's so cool. You get to go objection, lack of foundation. Yeah. Like, we should do that during this conversation. <laughs> but there's no judge, the audience. <laughs> yeah. The audience. Well, we're not doing it live. We, we wouldn't be able to, you know. They'll have it, to email very... the the time code the objection yeah it'd After be a very fact. different kind of setup weekly podcast to wait no that's my email address self-worst self-worst.gmail.com yeah oh uh, you got yeah. you don't have that thing where it goes to you know self-worst.com no i don't i don't have that set up you gotta I, get I, you I, I guess up. i could I, I, nobody fucking emails the gmail account anyway it doesn't matter <laughs> if, if i was actually getting emails maybe i would uh route them through my site but all i get my, like all my site is is a placeholder for it's a squarespace site that's a placeholder for the rss feed and that's yeah it's like a, a link there. tree type of thing yeah it's it's really not a solid uh website for the for the show i don't know the trial in Canada that I've been paying attention to is for this awful guy in an awful band. It happened around the time of, of the, the Me Too stuff. And he's in a band called Headley, who were just like this really crummy boy band, I guess. But they were like pop punk. You know, when it's like a boy, like kind of the good Charlotte thing. Right. But they were way more obnoxious. And I guess people liked them growing up. Uh, I hated them from the get go. And he looks very suspicious you know and <laughs> and uh he was accused of all kinds of he was accused by like three women one of whom said you know basically happened when she was a minor yeah and he was probably 30 and she and a woman she did not know independently uh had similar um 
claims basically of like what went down and he was his defense you know he made a phone call to one of these women and was sort of saying i didn't think that you were like and she said you sound like you're being you were coached to make this call you know right and he wound up being and and they were saying oh these are rejected fans like like to me it, it that was such a that's a lot more of a likely thing to happen to your everyday person you know than uh the complicatedness of this Depp heard thing, which was also not a criminal matter, matter, you know, right. It was about people getting less, you know, necklace money and by necklaces, I could be meaning Johnny Depp. I am not saying <laughs> ever heard. She wants necklaces. He wants necklaces. They both love necklaces. They, they both le- love jewelry. They love, they love rings, scarves, yeah. all that shit. Fedoras, but eyeliner. This hogger guy, um, real scumbag. They, they were talking about, you know, the things that he liked doing to women. And it was like, it, it went as far as like urinating. on them. And right. he never denied that that was what he liked to do. Which he, if it's it, consensual and both parties are in on it, then, you know, go nuts. But if, sure. If I just think at some if point it's a surprise PP, that's not good. I would say that if you're having a bunch of one night stands and that's your thing, that's kind of yeah no that's not something you want to like do on like a first and 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 this is seemed like it was common with him so um uh anyway and he never denied that and this is very close to another case uh featuring this guy john gomeshi who was another scumbag dude in canada and um he was he waited until the one girl turned 16 like he admitted to that that was how what his out was and and this is like Part of his defense, you know, is sixteen and the age of consent in Canada? As far as I know, that's not the case. As far as right. I know, the age of consent is sixteen if the other person is like two years older. Right. If they're if they're not, but it might be actually fourteen and sixteen. You know, and maybe sixteen is the age of consent, and whatever sixteen is the age of consent. I'm sure there are situations where that makes some level of sense i guess i don't I know guess. you know and uh um he wound up getting found guilty of one like two counts of something but against with the 16 year old he was found not guilty hmm. he couldn't prove it so and and after reading the details of it i'm just like what you know like this is a victory i guess because he like got is going to jail but just the fact that like this thing with this woman who had independently, you know, given um, testimony that was similar to the other person and was uh, not sorry. I'm, I'm, and she was, she, she was uh, painted by the defense as like a spurned fan. Like this is the shit that always happens, yeah. you know? And um, and I think that especially me not being in America uh, is is a more felt like a more important case to to hope would go at least a certain way. You know, this one is just so muddied by so many other factors, you know. Yeah. And um, and yeah, so that's 
not what I expected us to talk about for no, almost I, 40 I, minutes. Okay. <laughs> ah, no, just like 25 minutes. Yeah, no. I, um, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm happy to talk about it. Like you said, it's something I've been talking about. And I know, you know, with some of my listeners, I just really don't want them to think with John, the depth stuff, like I'm coming out hard as some kind of a person condemning Amber Heard right. something, but you don't want to be lumped you know, in with the debt bros. I don't, but I also think that, you know, um, humans are, we have universal traits regardless of sex. And sometimes abusiveness is one of them, you know? Yeah. And that's like, it's just that whenever you want to talk about that there, you know, whenever you bring that up on any level, suddenly there's like all these like angry misogynists who are like, thank you for joining the team. Yeah. That's, you know, let's problem. talk about it's it. Like, if it was a clear cut case of like, let's say, okay, let's, 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 let's talk in a Ben Shapiro voice. Let's say hypothetically, uh, yeah. that, that Amber Heard was fully at fault and was, you know, clearly the aggressor and abuser and all of that. Even if that were clear cut the case and it was very one sided, I know that the public response to that would be disproportionately virulent and misogynistic towards her because she's a woman who is doing something against a uh, a man that's well liked. I know that. Well, yeah, like, that happened with this like, Headley case as like, well. There were lots of people online saying that. Yeah. There's um so like this happened something kind of similar comes to mind happened with um one of my favorite bands uh bright eyes connor oberst oh yeah um, i recall that a few years ago uh he was accused of rape and, I remember. and like i was you know this was like after i think like the cosby thing had happened and like mm. i was already like you know like in this state of like wow i grew up watching him and like this is really awful and shocking and i guess i can't fucking trust anybody anymore yeah. and you know the bo was, burnham of music has been cut down yeah i know he's not the bo burnham it, of it music. just it just was like i really i really can't trust anybody and nobody is a safe wholesome figure anymore you know who i don't know personally like i just can't <laughs> trust people like that and so like yeah. i was in like when i heard about that i was like oh fuck that really that sucks i'm really disappointed and like i uh you know because i grew up listening to that stuff and and then later she recanted the story yeah and was like no i'm sorry i made that up i was in a bad place mentally and yeah. you know and and he was like that's fine i am gonna sue you uh for for libel and defamation <laughs> and all that and um you know and and online the response to it was like all these fucking mra dudes came yeah, out of the send this woman to jail and we're like yeah see what happens see what happens every like all woman these, is doing this. Every, every woman's doing like all these yeah. you know like all these like rape apologists and all these fucking assholes came out um, you know, talking about how like uh, this is what women do. They accuse you and ruin your life and blah, blah, blah. And his response to that was like, no, shut the fuck up. Like this was a very odd thing that happened. And usually that's not the case. And I, you know, I, I, I would never do something like that, but this shit does happen. And people 
you know, celebrities do get away with that shit all the time. And it just simply wasn't the case for me. But like, don't put me like, don't make me your fucking MRA poster boy. And he like, he when he like won some out of court settlement or whatever, he, he donated all of it to like a um, a, 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 an organization for you know survivors of of sexual violence. And um, you know, he was, he was as graceful and cool as you can be about something like that. And it seems to have kind of mostly blown over because they're like touring and he's fine and like well i mean i think his case would be like one of the zero point like point zero 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 one where you know where it was it's something where the person straight up make maybe yeah not not it was murky not it was like a you know like this the 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 depth thing where it's like it's complicated they're both kind of fucked up they're both did bad things but like it and they were definitely like, married this, and the, this definitely happened yeah. this you know there are definitely events that where something could like, have happened he was not there he was they yeah. never like it was not he was not in that city at that time like it just did not happen but what i was going to say is uh that the i say that point 1.0001 thing because a lot of the time with these claims that get uh cleared um especially when they have to do with uh minors is like jeffrey ross for instance Mm -hmm. um had this woman um she i was like i was 15 she was he was 30 that was her like facebook page she made where she was talking about this these experiences with jeffrey ross who then put out a thing that was like, this is a very troubled person. She's sort of been trying to extort me with her drug abusing boyfriend. Um, None of this is true. This is completely untrue. And I was like, okay. And that kind of blew over. And then I looked into it and it was like, he basically was just like, yeah, she was like of legal age when I started having sex with her. And it's like, and I was in my thirties and she was, you know, 18, but I'd known her since she was, it was yeah. just a so very it's still not, sketchy. It's still not great. Like you're still like in your thirties and you're still waiting you know, for somebody to turn 18. So it's technically legal and still fucking grooming and gross. So like, I would I don't say know, that, man. that waiting till somebody turns a certain age is definitely, yeah. I mean, it's some, it's some ancient fable type of stuff. like not like i feel like you'd hear a story about that like in king arthur's court or something we we played together you know yeah it's weird (laughs) i don't know like it's it's different if like one person's i don't know 22 and one person's 18 or something like that where it's like well you might have known them when they were you know younger but like you're both still pretty fucking young and like you you know like but like if it's a if you're like twice their age pretty much like <laughs> i don't know what you're doing man yeah i mean most of the time there's a price paid like e- even with that it just like on some level it becomes this weird kind of thing of like taking away like taking away someone's agency by saying that the power dynamic was inherently imbalanced under all circumstances. And the person's like, but I felt like I had a choice, you know? So, so like it, it it can get, and and this is such a, I would say borderline disgusting topic, but you know, yeah, totally. This is where we're, and also a topic where like nothing I can say will do 
justice to will do justice to me not wanting to be yelled at but (laughs) by someone somewhere through the thing but it's just like uh and also i get really anxious about this whole kind of thing just because the religious right and and conservatives in general are all about taking away young people's um agency and using it for their own um devices you know and exploiting them so um it's 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 i agree with you i think that like it's just something where you know why would you do this shit uh most of the time blows up in your face yeah as it did with jeffrey ross you know so so um but yeah i mean i'm just i guess i'm just saying um this is like uh the the deb heard case i think is more interesting on a mental illness level on an addiction level on a human spectacle and why we watch it on a how bummed you know how bummed out we were after the last two years and needed sort of maybe a public villain um and and needed someone to i mean everyone is doing this thing oh this person's a narcissist oh this person's borderline and then you go on youtube and it's like everyone was talking about the culture of um people who have like one you know got like a went to acme law school and then are doing like a whole 40 minute youtube breakdown of some testimony thing and it's monetized um but but the amount of videos where someone's like what to do when you're faced with a narcissist and it's like i don't know uh uh walk away from the mirror (laughs) you know like (laughs) it's just like yeah I, i think that we have to worry a lot about um how we label other people not how we not the boundaries we set with other people that's legit you know if if you go this person has done xyz to me it's repeated itself i need to sort of cut them out of my life i need to do this that's great but but or that's great you know something that's your choice and and it's very it's good to set boundaries but um say putting someone in the dsm and using that as a reason to sort of make everyone stay away from them that's try to get everyone to stay away from them i think that that's yeah that's kind of troubling yeah it's like putting you know, putting extremely loaded labels on people uh you know such as uh, i don't know narcissistic or abuser or whatever you want to call it. like you know like those are those are those are heavy things to to hit someone with um and it can really change people's minds about who they are. And like, I, I agree. Like if, if you yeah. have a problem with them, if you got a beef with them and like, they've done some shit to you, then like, yeah, get them out of your life. Like don't fucking don't deal with them anymore. Don't talk to them anymore. But like, that's different than like trying to get everybody in your community to like band against this person and, and label them. And as a lot of disorders, you know, are, uh, manifest as things that, um, intersect with, uh, what people say are borderline personality traits like people with adhd can have coping mechanisms that can resemble that oh yeah i mean me i do (laughs) like yeah exactly by bipolar people uh people you know um people with trauma like it's just um uh radio djs 
most mm-hmm. radio DJs <laughs> have 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 it. I, yeah. I will not you or me. We're we're podcasters, right? But I'm talking about, um, and we're totally mentally sound and fine and good. I am the amount of mental soundness that I feel at all times. We're mentally is, sound people who have never done anything bad. I've never done a bad thing. I've never had a bad thought. I've never yep. disgusted anyone. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty great. I'm really good at uh, bringing up issues with other people. If I have them, I certainly don't just let them lie until they fester and explode like a old tomato in the sun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good at boundaries, good at relationships, good at all of that stuff. I mean, there's a reason why I haven't had a, a proper place of my own for 11 years. Right. <laughs> No, I've been living in this place I am now for almost a year. Congratulations. Thank you. I love it. I have to leave in uh, maybe in September. Why? It's a sublet. Ah. <laughs> but uh, it's pretty great. I live next door to my girlfriend. Yeah, I heard about this. You You live in the same building but in separate units from your girlfriend, which I think is a very interesting setup. Pretty much, yeah. Um they're like technically not the same building. They're two different addresses, but they're connected by the laundry room. So we could just meet up there and kiss. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting setup. It's a good setup, I think. Uh, it's it's it, it's especially in this like. I mean, I don't want to speak for it, but it's just like such an anxious time, and you know, a lot of the time, anxiousness kind of can manifest by just being like. I want to sit in front of the screen and watch the, what I like on the screen, right? <laughs> you know, or I want to, my bed is not big enough for two people to thrash around and worry. What size mattress you got? About two inches. <laughs> Mini. Well, in her, in my apartment, it's, a dog it's bed. basically, it's not a single, but it's like, you know, for one person, she's got a big bed, but the dog's in there all the time. Anyway, yeah, the, the setup's great. It's a nice waking up and just kind of like coming over for coffee. Like, I don't know. My productivity is very um, hard to gauge, but I don't know if I would give that up for just like kind of waking up and being like, hi, how are you doing? Let's hang out for a bit and have a coffee and then go back to our things, you know? Mm-hmm. So how's your living setup? It's good. I don't know. Uh, I, I hope you get to see the see the place eventually. If you ever come to New York, um, oh my God, I better come to New York. Yeah, do it. Um, you know, we're, it's been too long. It's it's nice. We got a. It, it's a shitty block, but it's a lovely neighborhood. Shitty um, block? How? It's just like it's right on the highway. It's like right by a gas oh, yeah. station. It's like fucking ugly and like in Brooklyn. Yeah, in Brooklyn, it's just like a janky block. But like the rest of the neighborhood is beautiful. So you just kind of like go around the block, and it's all great over there. Um, yeah. And so it, you know, and and what we traded it for, uh, our last place was like more central in uh red hook the the neighborhood we're in which is just yeah. like a great you know really cute ass neighborhood um but this place has a laundry in a, a backyard so 
we oh if we you're not doing anything this weekend you should go see my friend sarah hennessy perform i just realized she's recording an album in in new york in, okay i think in brooklyn yeah give me the info on that i'll i'll, I'll go yeah. see it um she's, uh, she's good stuff yeah but it's good i don't know we we just got covid so that was fun oh um, when, yeah when did you get over that uh like last weekends i think we were we were both pretty much in the clear it was it, it, it was like a week something like that um how was it it wasn't great didn't love no. it you know um no. but it wasn't it wasn't awful um i had some like like fever chills sort of cold and flu symptoms for like maybe two days you know yeah. um and was was keeping it down with like you know just like Mucinex and Advil and stuff and just sleeping a lot. Um, yeah. Caitlin, my girlfriend, she uh, lost her sense of taste and smell for a few days, which really As bummed her out. Say. Cause she's As they a, say. Like, she's, she loves food. She, she's a big foodie. She loves to cook. And so, like, taking that away from her was like, you know, like, that's, that's an awful thing. Um, and she was really worried that it was going to, you know, be... Like, I mean, that's that, that, something that was going to go on like that. That was going to be like, oh, this this could last in my for, life. This now. could last for months. This could like I could I might never get it back kind of thing. So it was really scary for a couple of days um, when we didn't know how long the symptom was going to last. But it lifted, yeah. thankfully, like this, this basically this past weekend. She was like, yeah, I'm back online. I'm fine. I can I can taste all of this stuff. I'm like, good, good. Yeah, my friend's uh, wife got uh, she had some winded issues for a period of time after she got covid and i mean it just seems like i don't want to flu you know that's the thing when people are getting all weird about it. it's like i want a flu and i don't want this yeah you know no, like i don't like even if it is just like you're sick for a couple of days it still fucking sucks you still have to take off work and like sit in bed shivering like sucks like it was not pleasant like i've pretty much fully recovered and i'm glad but like don't want to do it again, you know, yeah. not like to do like it was unpleasant, you know, and like I haven't like really been fully back out in the world um, since, you know, like haven't really tried exercising or anything since I think I'm I'll be fine. But oh, yeah, you, know, you like, look girl. Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> I um, oh, you coughed right after I know, right? <laughs> there is a bit of a like residual cough Plan. thing happening but i think it's i don't know it's 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 fun. that's what so, happens after a flu that's too. what I, yeah exactly I mean, it's, it, it was kind of like that have you gotten it yet you didn't get hit yet. no i don't well, think so there was one period where i felt pretty ill but i took a pcr and i i it didn't come up i took antigens didn't come up right and uh, of course it coincided with like my first trip that we'd planned where i went to scotland over christmas and i had a bunch of like my part-time job i had all these shifts set up and then i couldn't do them but i got paid for them anyway and the job had to close because that was when omicron um was a wave was starting omicron to... man so Fucking omicron, bro. it sucks omicron there's how... a transformers joke somewhere in there am i, I right know. it does really sound like a transformer uh but how... yeah it was mm -hmm. how's your how's your uh you know your your day job situation how's 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 all of that it's fucking wild man wild i mean i do this part-time thing some bartending and uh ushering at the opera and ballet and that's not right it's it's more of a challenge now because of um we have them wearing masks still in in the auditorium and when mm -hmm. they're not eating or drinking so 
you have to like tell people not to, to, to like put their masks back on and stuff. Right. You know, that's why the bar bartending aspect is so much more uh, uh, preferred because like everyone's happy-ish when they're buy con buying a consumable. You know. Right. Like I'm about to have a drink. I can take my mask off. You know. So. Right. But but the usher side of it, and then I've been doing the door at a lot of rock shows, mm -hmm. um, which has been really cool. I mean, between that and doing stand up. It's, Are people still mostly wearing masks and stuff in Toronto? No, no, uh, not at rock, not at most rock shows. I think yeah. there are people in masks at the shows. I that's wear them. Most pretty, of the time I'm pretty sure I that's how I got it. I got it at a Devo show. Yeah, everyone at who show? Devo. We went. Oh. We, we saw Devo. <laughs> it was outdoors, even, and we Rougie were like, boy. "Oh, this should be this should be fine." Like you know, we're outside, but yeah. like, nope. Got our ass. Well, I, I made the return to comedy bar last night for the, the first time in forever which is in Toronto and it's a, it's a real hub of, of stand-up improv sketch. Mm -hmm. You could argue it's the main hub right now in Toronto and, and for a long time it's been, but uh, yeah, like I definitely didn't have my mask on for like portions of the show and it was full, but I don't know. I mean, I have trust in ventilation um, and I have trust in distance. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't really that close to that many people. So I'm kind of hoping that's it. And like knock on wood to the extreme on this like rock show stuff. I'm actually playing a rock show on Friday uh, with my band Wrong Hole. So hopefully that that's kind of one where I'm in interested in knowing. Right. how that'll go that i made a joke at a show a while ago after doing the door a bit where i was saying you know nobody's really wearing masks at at these rock shows and it's like you're sort of taking the healing power of music uh a bit too literally and also <laughs> also right. what you're saying is that you just want to have a good time and you don't care if this is the last show the band ever performs <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know if they have to cut their tour short i mean that's what sucks is like it's totally different now like bands can't like hang out as much like someone was like oh yeah i don't really put up band touring bands anymore because like of the covid thing like so it's really interesting some of the changes you know i, I went to a broken social scene and i know like a couple show know a couple of the guys in that band i wrote brendan and i was like hey It'd be nice to see you. I'm coming to uh, nice to maybe hang out or something like I'm coming to your show. And he was just like, yeah, we're sort of like basically quarantining. For right. Shows, we play the show know? and then we go on the tour bus and we don't talk to anybody. Yeah, because we don't want to get sick. Yeah. And uh, so so uh, it's. Yeah, it's crazy. You got it probably at an outdoor show, but you know, that's a reality. That's what it seems. I, it could have been from kind of anything. I'm not really, I'm not totally sure. I mean, who knows, it, right? Yeah. Like um, some, I always feel assumption. like it's some moment where you're like more run down than you know you are. And then the germs are like, ah, right. Now's the time, you know? Yeah. This fucker. It's just, I don't know. Like, cause I saw Eve six, uh, and that was an indoor show. Um, and no, like pretty much nobody was wearing masks there, like maybe 5% of the yeah. whole crowd and it was pretty packed in and like, you know, like it just, it didn't, didn't get me then. 
and saw Bruce McCullough uh, a little while later. And, you know, it was, it was another like everybody in there was wearing a mask. Yeah. And well, I mean, obviously he wasn't. And we were kind of waiting outside after the show. And we were like, oh, is he going to like come out and say hi? And I was kind of like, probably not, because he's like a middle aged dude and he's got to do a bunch of shows and he probably doesn't want like to like walk up to a bunch of strangers and like have them breathe in his face, even if it's. outside. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think we should just leave. Actually, one of the first live shows I went to not doing the door was Mouth Congress, which is Scott Thompson's mm-hmm. band with uh, Paul Bellini from Kids in the Hall, those guys, and it was so awesome. But I was right by the front door, which was open, you know, and it was sold out. It was packed at this place, the Bovine Sex Club, and it was just like, and Scott, you know, was like touching people's heads and stuff. And, you know, Scott was one of the first people I ever had during COVID. We hung out on my porch, which is crazy. I still, I mean, I should not have this type of feeling, but I'm just like, oh, I love that Scott wants to hang out, that we we get to hang out. Right. Because he's just so fun to talk to. And, um, you know, we have a lot in common in that way. Like, and especially because the sort of shaping that the kids in the hall had for a lot of people in in Toronto, especially. But uh, but it seems like North America, at least. Yeah. No, like, legends. And and the new show is so good. It was really good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, I was, I was so happy. I was going to ask if you've seen the new season. It was, it was pretty I've good. I've watched about half of it. And um, I'm just really proud of it more than anything else for just like, the important thing with them is maintaining the tone. Yeah. You know, and, Which and the, they, I think they mostly did. I wish they didn't make so many meta jokes about them being old and out of touch and all that stuff. Cause it's like, guys, yeah. you're fine. Like you, it's okay. So you're a little old, like, yeah, you know, it's okay. Everybody still loves you. Like we can move on from that. Like, and you're still awesome. I mean, Scott, Scott has, has a lot of that in his mind all at all times. And I, I think, from what I can tell, Bruce seems to as well, but on in, on two sort of separate ends of the spectrum where it's like, and again, this is just my analysis. I don't know if they feel this way, but like ever, since I've known him, I think Scott has always, before I've known him, he's always gone very contrary. And I think it's really telling about something that he exudes and his curiosity and smarts that he hasn't fallen into this kind of like cancel, cancel guy. Yeah. Fuddy duddy shit. Even though he always has know, been a bit of a contrarian and like, I saw him shit stir. I yeah. mean, he always will say something to get under the skin of what he sees as the popular. Yeah. Um, I saw him do and, the buddy Cole show a couple years ago and, and Oh yeah. Like, that he, stuff for that yeah, was he, great. He like made fun of trans people <laughs> a couple of times. Yeah. And it was like, wasn't, awful wasn't like Chappelle territory but it was it was just like like basically the point of it was just like eh like like come on it's fine like grow a pair people are gonna fucking make fun of you and people grow are gonna grow a pair that yeah, is people are gonna yeah. did he say it, grow no a pair? he didn't say he that probably- <laughs> he said something like like the only operation they need is to like get thicker yes, skin yes I have or thicker like skin that. yes I, you know, I, know, I just, know this because I know he this grew joke. up as a as a like out gay man in the 80s and 90s when it like is just like expected to like to your face like people are gonna say like virulent awful shit to you and he was like yeah okay and that toughened me up and I think that's his perspective 
I don't uh, know if that's necessarily how every you know. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Like you know, but like, this is but this is a, a challenge where he's again, coming from, where yeah. people, you know, like my friend Kevin made a documentary about uh, the new romantic movement in the seventies. So prior to the what people see is like spandau ballet and all that shit. Mm-hmm. There's like this whole art and aesthetic and music scene that created the new romantic look and and um yeah. boy george was part of that i don't know if you knew this already oh uh, yeah i mean but, like new romantics yeah. one of my favorite things yeah i, I love that shit. you should watch this love documentary it. it's called tramps it's really great and um it had something at the end i mean i'm gonna skip over any just watch it it's very interesting and but at the end you know there was a point where someone was talking basically they honored a just smidgen of artists related to that who died of aids and and during the 1980s and probably the 90s um and it felt it was like soul wrenching for like a variety of reasons it was a toronto audience we've all dealt with lots of loss in the last while but i think that really trying trying to come to terms with the aids crisis as something pretty much on the level of like the holocaust even if even if there's no specific person to blame should right. matter it wasn't it wasn't it, straight up murder it was just negligence it was just gross it was negligence it was negligence and, like, and it was just like a, a horrible like, a die. horrible disease yeah. that that happened and came out of nowhere and and uh, decimated um the arts community and a lot of other communities but it really did you know everyone talked about the 80s being really vapid yeah and it coincided with like so many gay artists, uh, you know, dying young. Yeah. So, and non-gay as well, but um, or bisexual, right? Two spirit, right? Right. Shall I keep going? Um, and and, uh, and I think really just trying to like spend the next couple of decades honoring that and remembering these people is really important. And I mean. It's really crazy. I was even thinking about that with fucking this is going to sound really this is not on the same level, but with like modern day rappers mm-hmm. are dying. There is a, there are certain subgenres. They're dying at such a crazy pace. Yeah. And in their early 20s, it's like as bad as the it's ever been and worse than it's ever been. And it's just like how many careers are cut short? of people who had something to offer and would their music would change. And it's just, you know, I guess that's what I think of with like lives cut short. It's just, it's just so, so freaking sad, but, but yeah. So I think when, when we get back to, to Scott and, and um, gay men in the 1980s and trans people of, of that era and before and, mm-hmm. and stuff, um, they were hardened in a way that you know we still are seeing yeah but it's it's uh no they, they went, were in the they thick went, of it they went through some shit quite... that we as millennials can't even really imagine like i no. mean we, we went through covid but and that was terrible but like it aids was a thing in the 80s and 90s especially in like queer communities that was like, oh, it was killing like like five people you know are gonna die this year, you know, and like it's it was it was 
devastating. And, and one of the only reasons sentence. I think it was one of the only reasons I think it was able to get national attention as an epidemic was probably had a lot to do with the fact that so many artists were getting it and thus the messaging could be funneled into like Hollywood. It could be funneled into like right simple uh, means of expressing it. Right. It was art. like, oh shit, it's, got, it's coming know? for Freddie Mercury now. And so like, mean, now people care. Did you grow up? You grew up in the 80s, right? I mean, I, I was born in the 80s. So like, I was born I, in 80. So yeah, I was the, born in 84. So like, yeah, I, okay. I remember so that's a, that's a few years difference. In a, yeah. Because I, 80s I have like was primordial very, memories of, of like, like yeah like freddie mercury and and like easy e and like you know like i remember seeing right. that on tv and like not really knowing who they were and not really but but like i remember being like really scared of this thing like there's oh there's this disease that if you get it you're dead you know and yeah like, there was there was, was that that was just like a, a really terrifying prospect i i think definitely that was like how i i viewed it but it was also like i saw the um recognition of it as an epidemic of a certain type, even if I didn't quite understand it, because like a very special Christmas was one of the first uh, tapes I remember being given. And it was like a uh, Keith Haring cover. Um, mm -hmm. And it was an, an AIDS and HIV, although HIV was not used at that time as much um, benefit album with like Madonna singing Santa baby and the great run DMC song, Christmas in Hollis. And um and then uh there and and there would be protests and silence equals death i mean keith herring's messaging yeah uh, had a lot to, to do with it um and lots of other people but but yeah so so i think that that's going to be something that needs to be reckoned with and i think i think that people who have gone through uh and and there's the feeling of being inherently subversive you know because of the rejection of, of yeah. who you the implicit rejection of who you are to contrast him with like somebody who like you know was like a cutting edge like really uh i don't know there, there's a lot of those guys like old guard like comedy guys like dave Chappelle or john cleese who like just go full turf and go like like really right. double down on it and make but it john cleese was thing. was only challenging in that like he introduced sort of absurdity in a way that yeah. people hadn't felt before i never felt like john cleese was like oh man i did you see john cleese on may day right <laughs> like leading the parade you know i think that's the thing is it's all nuance you know it's all like we put these people in our cultural stuff and and it's like chappelle i think on some level chappelle is like just a guy who was not he's got his own demons yeah uh and and then as a public figure he really focuses on um uh ra racial politics as as being kind of the most important um thing in america you know and and obviously uh and i think a lot of what's gone on with him and this trans situation has to do with his, this trans situation. Okay. <laughs> I guess that's what I just called it. Uh, it really has to do with his mental, 
the way his brain works yeah. and how he responds to being challenged by others, you know, and, and, uh, it hasn't gone great. No, but, um, it felt really weird. I, I watched the Norm Macdonald special and, uh, then at yeah. the end there's this like very awkward round table. Did you watch that special? No, I did. I know you're a big fan. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm less of a, I, I like him okay, but like I was never like a huge oh fan my God, of Norm. He's the best. He's the best. You gotta, you gotta mess with uh, me doing stand up. Yeah, I, th I think I've seen that one. I don't. I mean, he's funny. He's he's great, but mm -hmm. like it, he just like was never like one of my like my guys, you know. Oh, yeah, but uh, anyway. It's not even about that. It's just the round table at the end is David Letterman, David Spade, Dave Chappelle. All the days. Adam Sandler, Molly Shannon, and Conan. And, you know, it's just like three guys named, named David yeah. in one room. But it's, it's, you're talking about the old guard. It, it did have that kind of feeling. And then you're kind of watching Chappelle and he just has his own means of interpreting stuff and like, it's uh but but again i think even he is different than someone like scott like i i i think dave chappelle has been in comedy clubs since he's 17. he responds to like so many situations like with his comedy brain i think there's like scott has done so much weird shit. he wrote a sci-fi comic book mm -hmm. he was in this band mouth congress like he's um he's really interested in like other cultures and in, in other mythologies and stuff. And, and so I think part of his response has more to do with maybe what he sees as a self-centeredness or something at yeah. the core of it, which is ironic because he's a fucking performer. Right. But, you know, again, I'm speaking for him, but, um, and that feels weird, but it's like, I think that's part of why I, I, I like him so much and why I, I, um, like talking to him about stuff even if he even if you know he says things that i just like inherently disagree with sure yeah i mean there's a lot there's a lot of people i like who who have stuff like that or i'm just like that's mm, good i don't love I'm that yeah exactly and this is the thing where like i get like i i feel like i know people who will get mad at somebody for even liking somebody they disagree with you can, know, can you like, give me one second? Sure. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, it's okay. I'm, I'm just going to see if this guy is here. I'm selling him tapes, cassette tapes for $100. <laughs> All right. He's not here. Well, shit. How are you going to make that's $100? Died not easily, apparently. And that's <laughs> like the other thing. Just getting into how you asked how I'm making money. Yeah. Uh, I'm also like I've acquired so many objects and I'm flipping them. And it's super weird, dude. Because yeah. I'm not just selling my stuff that I get from the thrift store or the curb. I'm right. also getting rid of some of my dad's stuff, my late Ooh. father's uh, stuff. Like all of these tapes are stuff that he recorded off the radio. It's like old CBC radio classical music programs and uh, jazz and stuff and he has a book collection that I'm sort of slowly divesting and movies. I sold a bunch of DVDs that he um, had. 
Is that does, and, does that feel weird? Is that like uh, I, I imagine that's not in the easy. moment. It's that's good. like emotionally not easy to do, or is it nice to just kind of like jettison that and be like, you know what, well, this is part been, of it. I got to let go of this shit. It's been over six years since he died, and um, I definitely see a lot in common with him. Where like I'm looking at my video games right now, and I'm just like, I am never gonna play, you know, uh, Medal of Honor Rising Sun again. And I, I've only played about 50 minutes of it. I may never crack open Odin Sphere. Mm-hmm. And uh, yet I like that I have them. And he would collect things, I think, in order to sort of surround himself with stuff. But he would re- was reading all the time. It's just that he had so many things that it's just like to go back to, to watch or read them all or listen to them all was impossible. And ultimately, these are not him. They're representatives there's, they, they represent his tastes and shit, right. you know, but, but that's so not something that you need to hang on to a physical. No, I have his books. Like, like he, I, he wrote books. So yeah. luckily we've got like books of his and I'm sure I'm going to hang on to some stuff of his. There's still a ton of stuff at my mom's place. So I think it's good. And, and it just is the, you know, I think life items are meant to be passed around a little bit, you know, so I'm happy to do that. But we have all this weird stuff. We have all this like 1970s and earlier like Canadian poetry, like zines and shit. And I'm trying to figure out what to do with those. Like, right. Um, so yeah, that's, so I'm like on eBay and turns out selling shit on eBay, like you lose money half the time and, and uh, it's really fraught. Do you think your dad maybe had like a tinge of ADHD with just like collecting a lot of stuff? Sure. And going from I mean, book there was, and- I'm sure there was something going on. I, again, I, I, it's just so hard to like, I'm not one of these people who goes, well, I guess I am, but like I went, when I went to a support group uh, years ago, I remember the guy in charge of it was just like, Oh, you know, I can tell when somebody has ADHD. And I've heard that before. People always sort of say, oh, you, I can always tell when right. someone has it. And it's like, I try not to feel that way um, or, or make those kinds of calls. But um, especially when we're going into like generations from like the, the 40s and the boomers and stuff, yeah. because um, because their understanding of it was so different. You know, they'll, like they'll talk about someone who committed suicide and there won't be you know, like a lot of, uh, often won't be a lot of exploration of what, what their traits were that might've led to that or, or something like, it'll just have been a terrible thing. And, uh, like my mom, <laughs> I remember I was talking to her, I called her one time and she was like, she was like, oh my God, it's all my fault. I'm watching Gabor Mate. It turns out it's all my fault. All my worry gave you ADHD. Do you know Gabor Mate? Gabor Mate. Oh, you should look into Gabor Mate. Okay. He's a very interesting, he has ADHD. He wrote a book about ADHD called The Scattered Mind, but he's also The Scattered Mind. He was born um, in occupied Hungary in the Second World War. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uh relates trauma you know in the dna uh and heart he's a harm reduction advocate very interesting guy but my mom watched it and he's got all kinds of things on youtube um that you can watch or books you can read but yeah she was saying that and it's just like 
you know, my dad never really had the time or the inclination, which is perhaps a symptom of ADHD to like, uh, like he didn't have the moment I had with my mom where we went and saw this guy, Rick Green, give a whole lecture about ADHD and then I could give her books, you know, and, and mm -hmm. we could talk about it. I think when I told him about my diagnosis, it was, uh, I think it just probably worried him. You know, I, I think that was all it did. And he, he didn't graduate high school, um, which is partly why I think he tried to soak up uh, a lot of books and, and music and, and film, right. you know. So, so, and he was curious, but he was so disciplined. Um, so if he did have ADHD, he was able to work a job where he had to be up at 5 a.m. every day come home, nap, and then write poetry for an hour and maybe a bit later that day too, and then go to bed and do the same thing five days a week, you yeah. know? So, um, yeah, he had like, but again, OCD can be a component of that and uh, of ADHD. And so if you have these OCD traits that wind up leading to routine, mm -hmm. um, that can create some level of, of, success but yeah so i mean my mom might my dad might say it's genetic i think my uncle probably did but you know it's um my whole family history on both sides is like very interesting and and it's it's always not interesting just like in terms of mental illness is is interesting and and uh you know kind of feels private not to say i don't want to share it but it kind of feels like the sort of thing like you know, if people haven't full on dealt with shit, like, I don't always feel like it's my place to like go out and like include that in my narrative. You right. know what I mean? Right. Um, maybe that's some sort of Canadian passiveness in there. No, I mean, I think that's, I think that's just, uh, that's taking responsibility. That's, that's cleaning your side of the street. I mean, at some point, like <laughs> you can, you can unravel ways in which, you know, your parents could have done better or whatever. Uh, I do that all the time. Forever. But like at the end of the day, you're a grown ass man. And like, once you know that, and this is the thing that I think people mistake a lot of times with therapy is, uh, there tends to be this idea that it's you go to a therapist and you find out that your parents screwed up and you can blame all your problems on your parents and nothing's on you and like you're fine. That's not really the idea. The idea is like, okay, so here's a couple of like mistakes that were made, a couple of things that didn't really like that maybe, you know, my parents well-intentioned as they were maybe did wrong and mm -hmm. had a mark on me. But now I'm an adult and I know that shit. And I know what it did to me. So now the ball's in my court. Now yeah. it's time for me to step up to the plate and uh, and take some responsibility and deal with that. And, but, not, just, know, and I, not just be uh, like, oh, I'm like, I, I can't do this thing because like I was treated this way. And like, like, no, nah, like fucking I'm sorry. Grow up like you, you know, your damage and now fix it. Like it's, yeah. you know, I mean, I have, I have like the opposite problem almost where it's, it's like, I don't think I, I, I don't really, I'm just kind of like, oh no, I fucked up. Oh God, I'm fucked. 
oh no, this is all my fault. I don't blame my parents, but uh, uh, this is not good. You right. know, I, like I don't necessarily know how to um, fix it. You know, I, I was writing about this earlier today. Like, it's hard living this kind of dopamine deficient thing because it and and like i do therapy monthly right so um out of, of affordability and i if i had like a nice couple of days you know or i got good news right before therapy it's like very hard for me to bring up any issues yeah <laughs> because in that moment i'm just like oh my god like right i'm feeling good like Oh, I just got like a callback, or you yeah. know, I um, I got a tweet that got a podcast and it felt like, awesome. You know, like, yeah. yeah, I got a I, I, I had a I had a viral tweet, and then I got or laid I saw my friend, like, you nice. know, yeah, I saw my friend. I mean, we had a nice you time. You know, it's and then when you're down, right? You know, a lot of the time that's just when there's you're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. You know, you're lying alone in bed, and you're just like, oh, what about this? What am I gonna do tomorrow with the thing? Why can't I remember how to properly schedule my time at work or whatever? And, uh, you know, so, so it's, it, it's, um, like those are the challenges I'm more interested in. I mean, it's kind of what you're, it is what you're saying. It's just, it's just, we need to sort of triage and approach what is, uh, challenges that are in front of our eyes, you know? Yes, if your parents fucked you up and you're still engaging with them and it always feels negative, yeah, maybe make a choice there. Like, don't see them, you know, or, or something or tell them. Yeah, establish but, some but, sort of boundary, whether it's like, I'm yeah. not going to talk about this with you or I'm not going to talk with you, period. You know, or like, if you still want to know them and see them, tell them how you feel about this, but you can't get past this one thing, consider telling them. I don't know. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, the problem is always comes down to industries, you know. <laughs> What's your What are your main projects right now in therapy? What are you I, usually What are you usually oh, talking I, about? Is that the, what you do instead of asking people what they're working on in the arts? They're like, you're yeah, like, what are your yeah, projects? Is, in what, are, what are your projects in therapy? Yeah, exactly. What do you What do you I wish what I you, could say. I mean, it, I couldn't even go to therapy for a few months because of money, you know. And by a few months, I mean like five. You know, mm -hmm. and, and she also switched offices. Um, you, you don't do like the virtual thing or anything? Well, we do it over Zoom, but I don't mm -hmm. do like better help. Right. I, I, I go to a person who is unfortunately, through no choice of her own, expensive by the hour, you know? and, and Even uh, in Socialist Canada? Definitely in Socialist Canada. Huh. Mental health is an issue here that has not been dealt with. It's not really covered by the whole mental health and thing. teeth. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fucking weird that teeth and are eyes. like a thing. Teeth and eyes are like luxury body parts. <laughs> it's worse in America, I guarantee you that. But like it's still it's crazy to know that you like even in Canada, like it's like it's teeth and eyes are considered like bonus parts. We have uh, you know, we have some half measure problems in yeah. this country and, and definitely that's part of it even though there's a lot of people um i know someone who works in the field of mental health like in a government run mental health thing and she doesn't get like sick days because she's a contract worker wow. so you know it's uh but but yeah so so my current project 
is probably self-esteem related, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, believing in myself enough and, and frankly being organized enough to like meet my ambition. I've actually always been ambitious to some extent. And, uh, now I guess if you're like doing a podcast and we're in bands and doing stand up and yeah. acting, stuff people might think ambitions ambitions hard ambitions a hard thing to grapple with because artistic ambition artistic ambition because i mean like sky's the limit and um (laughs) it's really hard to know because you the gauges of success and failure kind of come from so many people like you can feel okay about what it is you're doing what you're working on but somebody who just like Listen, you know, like comes across your podcast or your Twitter or whatever, will be like, "What a fucking loser!" He doesn't even like. He doesn't even yeah. write for TV. He doesn't even like do any of. The, he doesn't even. Mm-hmm. He's not even verified. Like, what a little bitch! Like, you know, and mm-hmm. like, and, and can like really think that you are a failure by their metric. You are, and you can't really change their mind about that. But like, if you're doing okay, and then like vice versa, like people can look at you and be like. I don't know. Like you're doing good. You have like X amount of followers and you, you get on stage every week and you seem to like really dominate a room if you're on stage. Uh, but you inside are like, I am a abject failure because I still have a day job. Like I'm still like moving people's apartments and walking people's dogs or waiting tables or whatever the fuck. Right. And right. like, I'm never going to make this work. I'm going to kill myself. You know, like it's, yeah, it, it really is hard to, I mean, it's it sucks. That's the the because the last thing you said there. I'm never gonna make this work. I'm gonna kill myself. It's it's like it's like the perspective on that is so fucked. Um, it's so skewed. You know, the idea that you're not making it work. You know, that's that's the big problem. Is really just thinking, I'm not making this work. You know, this isn't working. So this is the only shit I like doing. And also it's the only shit that makes me feel functional in a sense. And because I am not getting the reward, you know, I, it's nothing is worth doing and I'm a disappointment to myself and also visibly to others, Uh, which is, I think maybe that's like a little project in in therapy as well is just like kind of like thinking uh of myself as a disappointment i mean my my therapist called me a blessing recently which i thought was a nice move on her part checkmate therapist yeah wow that's so nice a a blessing to who just a blessing in general blessing to the world yeah she said you're a blessing i don't think it was religious necessarily i think she was just trying to say that my existence had value. And um, yesterday I did a show and uh, the comedian hosting it introduced me as a veteran. And I was like, <laughs> and then um, a veteran of the scene or something. And then afterwards, this guy who performed that night was like, oh, isn't it? yeah. Your size it really seemed like you were like comfortable up there and you were like you were doing uh and i was like 
today I was like, do you think he just said that because of the veteran thing that the host put in? put in oh there's in always the there's always a way that your brain can explain away any type <laughs> of praise um how were you able, well craving it how how were you able to i assume you did how are you able to dismiss your therapist calling you a blessing how are you able to uh invalidate <laughs> no that? no i i hang on to that you know okay i That's hang good. on to that i appreciate people being nice so you know being nice makes me feel nice you know this is that is that is the secret to how I can survive. It's very ironic because I like to be cutting and ridiculous and insulting yeah. sometimes. It's and, the simplest uh, lesson, man. It's like what Mr. Yeah. Rogers was trying to teach us. Did they have Mr. Rogers in Canada? Did they air? Hell like yeah. Yeah. Like I think he got his simplest, start in Canada. Is, no, he's from Philly. I believe. Or yeah, Pittsburgh? but I Philly. think there I think was Philly. something where yeah. it was like Canada helped out him ah, really? somehow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, he has a very Canadian vibe, you know? He's very yeah. nice. He's just very, very nice. Um, and, yeah, religious. <laughs> that's also true. Yeah, I don't know. It's, that's okay. That's fine. I don't care. You know, like, I don't I don't have to be into it, but like, okay. Seems like it made him a really good person. Just don't tread on me <laughs> with your religion. Sure. You know, don't try to get... But yeah, no, I, I mean, it, it's something where... I don't think it's like, it's just this dichotomy, you know, you want to run on, uh, challenge yourself and try to be better. And mm -hmm. my friend Allison was really good about that when we were in bands, when I was first starting, she's really good at challenging me and making the band be better. I mean, what I was doing better, but also there's an element of like, if people keep telling you you're doing something wrong until you get it right, a lot of the time I'll give up before I get it right because I'm so sick of being told I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. You know, what do you think of that? I'm looking at Mr. Rogers in Canada, by the way. No, that's okay. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know. That's, it's difficult. And like, it really depends on what you're doing. And I, you know, we're talking about projects with our therapists. My main mm -hmm. project has been, uh, like work stuff, just like my career, like what I'm doing for money versus what, you know, I'm doing for, you know, like all of that. Stuff. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. You know, do I want to, I'm keep, in that boat. Too. Do I want to keep fucking walking dogs forever? The answer is no. And like, mm -hmm. how did I end up in this situation where I am, uh, the only kind of work that I feel qualified for is just sort of like menial service work, right, you know, when right. I have a degree and like, I know that I'm capable of things and like, what do you have a degree in? I have a degree in filmmaking, um, nice. you know, and, and what happened with that? And I've kind of been charting the, you know, the progression was like, I graduated in a recession and I came out here, uh, fairly soon after and just had a lot of difficulty on and off with like sometimes getting some work and then like immediately feeling like I wasn't up to snuff, like I wasn't up to the task. I wasn't in like film work in film work. Yeah. Like film yeah. production, uh, like mostly production work, some post-production stuff, but like mostly feeling like this immense sense of imposter syndrome and feeling yeah. like I'm not good enough for this. The market is too competitive. I mm -hmm. don't know enough about this thing. I can't concentrate long enough. Uh, mm -hmm. The hours are too grueling and demanding. I, I don't have the attention span. And like, and things would happen where like, 
I would get fired or whatever. Like I would not get called back for certain jobs uh, yeah. because you that's know, pretty I'm, crushing. Yeah, because and I would let that confirm my doubts yeah. about like about me not being good enough. See, you know, see. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. See, like, so, like, I, I can't even fucking make it as a PA and I get screamed at and, like, I can't do this. And so that means, like, do I really want to try and keep working in this industry that just, like, keeps shitting on me and humiliating me when I'm trying my best? And I guess I'm just not good enough. And that was the. I mean, does anyone in, besides Johnny Depp like Will working in film? I I don't know. I, I like that's the. I mean, somebody said to me early on, you know, like we were just like standing around on set, and we were like just some like menial job on the set. We were like PAs or whatever, and he was just like, you know, there's like two people who are excited about what's going on, and everybody else just wants to fucking go home. Like the director well, and the actor the that are the talking crew, to yeah. are just like, yeah. this is great. This we're making genius yeah. work. And like, I'm going to put all like 16 hours of my day into this and like really like gun for it. And everybody else is just like, come on. Yeah. When can I go home? I'm so tired. This fucking sucks. And like, it just was this perfect storm of, you know, like twenties, like not having a grip on depression and not having a grip on, uh, just just internalized imposter syndrome and self-hate and and just and just really feeling like like really really vulnerable to any criticism any like you know just getting any sass or snark from any of my superiors and just being like can you fucking like you know like, like people just like don't have time and like they just you know they're stressed and shit rolls downhill and so like you as a kind of like low ranking person on a film set, like you're going to get the shit end of the stick. And I was too sensitive and I just like internalized and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like the only thing that I can do is a job where I'm at, where less is asked of me. You know, uh, the only thing that I can do, the only thing that I'm capable of is something that's lower expectation, you know, and, and is yeah. something where I can kind of like, uh, I, I guess sort of like hide my work or hide my disinterest, like where I'm kind of working alone and away from people where people don't well, really you're getting see. sun. Yeah. Where people don't really see how surrounding yourself with loving creatures. Yeah, exactly. Like it just, it, and poop and poop, you know, and going, going out to just going out to the park every day and just being able to like zone out and kind of make my own schedule was like what I needed for a while, but like, it's not cutting it anymore. Like I can't, well, like I, I make fucking like 30 K a year. It's not fucking oh, that's livable, killer. You know, that's like killer. It's, it's, no, that's great. I'm it's, jealous. <laughs> I, it's fine. But like, I also live in like the most expensive city in the fucking country. And like, I don't, of I'm not course. making like, I don't have savings. I don't have, no, no, no. I, I mean, I, I understand that, you know, I don't have nope. PTO when I got COVID. Like I was just like, okay, I guess I'm not making money this week. Right. You know, like right. shit like that. It's just like, eh, I can't keep fucking doing this. And so like now, like that's my main project is, is basically what I'm saying is like, I, I mean, I think one time, you know, <laughs> when they, like my thinking is that this is really, really, really widespread. Mm -hmm. And that the unfortunate aspect is the problem that you're talking about is so individual 
individually urgent, urgent in the individual's life, that it is impossible. It's very difficult to feel like this is, even if you do feel like this is something tons of other people are going through, including that thought process, as well as the situation, it's just like, so what? You know, okay, they're going through this, but I'm trapped in this box, they're trapped in this box, and it's like the same box. And, uh, you know, that's... um, that's some shit like because it's it's like there is a level of just like the game being rigged as you know people say like it's like well yeah like if i'd gotten x y and z like maybe i would have enough of uh, uh routine in my life that i could feel this or do that you know or like I, if, if I'd gotten this encouragement from this boss, like instead of that, or, or, you know, the opposite, oh, if like I hadn't taken this so personally, or if I realized I didn't have to walk out of something or not call someone back and right. could actually ask them, you know, uh, did I feel overly rejected when I was in fact just being criticized or, or being yeah, yeah, like yeah, given yeah, yeah. instructions on how to improve. Um, a lot of this have to has to do with just like, feeling in a position of like stress to make money and serve and serve serving others one way or another, you know? Yeah. And, and like, that's been something with me with like, just a, like not even being able to do math about how much, how to live within a month. And again, with ADHD, like there is a money management issue that Mm -hmm. like is just, very hard to um, explain to people who don't have it. I mean, a big part with ADHD is like, you have that feeling like, how are we going to row the boat if like literally none of us brought the oars? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then the answer is like, well, there's another option. Oh, I just realized, you know, oh, this is actually not a rowboat. Right. <laughs> you just turn on the engine and it goes. Um And so um, a lot of it is just like being able to feel empowered, being able to feel like there's options is just so hard sometimes for people. I mean, that's how I, that's how I ended up doing this for all these like working, you know, like I've talked about this before. Like there's this like kind of grief process that I go through where like, it feels like there's like, I look back and there's just these like, almost like fugue states through my life where I'm just like, what was I doing? Where was my agency? Where, like, where was, where was, what was I doing getting up every morning and just being like, I guess this is my life. And like, I have no say in this. And I'm just like, I felt like I kind of had no choice or I wasn't really thinking about it or it wasn't. Maybe you were thinking differently. Maybe you were waking up and being like, Oh, it's like a nice day. I'm going to see that like dog. I like, maybe I'm going to take him there. I don't know. Maybe there's some other job you're talking about. I mean, like, you know, I mean, cause I I do ushering sometimes and ushering is like one of the lowest impact in some ways, one of the lowest impact jobs. It's actually a very challenging job, but it requires a degree of graciousness and being welcoming and keeping people stoked they're in a place and basically being the face of a place. But, you know, there's like a lot of people who are just kind of like, 
neurodiverse or, you know, the, the bulk of it would be a mixture of like older people who have taken like a part-time job mixed with um, people who like about like people who are involved in like the arts, you know, and are sort of in like being at the ballet and the opera for mm -hmm. free. And uh, a lot then like an element of like somewhat neurodivergent people who it's just like a job that it makes sense to them and they can do and um and they like being making people feel good you know not in necessarily a people pleaser way right and and um you know like how much of your issue has to do with what you're doing versus you know how easy life is because of what you're doing <laughs> you know like I, I i don't think i'd have a problem at all with being an usher if you know i were making like 20 dollars an hour or something you know i would go that's yeah. about right you know and then um and and i think that you know just the amount of of comfort allowed in your life you know, based on what you're doing probably has a lot it's to do with really, how satisfied like, yeah, you are. It's, I mean, I was thinking about this because like the work itself of doing dog walking, I don't mind doing. It's really just kind of like the money and uh, the sort of dead endness of it, you know? Where, again, the dead endness is like, has to do with the money. I think. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's like, I'm not embarrassed that I walk dogs for a living necessarily. Like I'm embarrassed that like, I have this phone that's like so many years old. It's all cracked and like, I'm not going to get a reply. And you know, like I just like, I look at like, I just had holes in all my socks because I don't bother to get new socks because it's, exp it's like another expense. Right. And, like, but I you feel, could probably buy new socks, but you've like, sure. You know, but like, you, I've, like, I've got this you know, like, it's, thing it's, in my head about like budgets and yes, I feel embarrassed every time where like, it's time to like buy new clothes for a new season and I'm like I can really only spend so much money and like I just feel I just feel you got a thrift bro I got a thrift yeah I don't know you gotta it's go just, to that, that goodwill in Harlem you know and go it, to the it, goodwill in Harlem and, and there's this sense of shame where like I talk to you know like I have a lot of friends who like work in post work in editing work in animation motion graphics mm. blah 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 and i like i've been like picking some of their brains but like uh oh, like how do you know like maybe i want to start getting back into this kind of stuff and doing mm. some audio editing doing some video editing and i feel so there's this this hurdle of embarrassment that i have to work past where i feel like i should know more than this as a guy in his like mid late 30s you know well like, i mean i, I, like I have I'm, that I'm with coming, writing yeah right where i'm now. just like I, I i feel like i'm like right out of school and i'm like hey man you know of any work or like you, you like entry level internships or some shit like where i'm like i should be past this like there's this no, sense of fine. shame you know like ugh. you know what it's but fine i, I, I mean I, well it's just like the like in i <clears throat> i have done writing for TV, for certain thing, for variety of things. And, you know, since coming back from LA, that's been quieter. And it is so hard for me right now to reach out to people and um, to follow up. Oh my God, when I was in LA, I was so shit at following up half the time. Not all the time, but half the time. And 
by following up, I mean, is like, I'd go to a meeting and they'd be like, oh, so this is one thing we have. And this is another thing we have. And if you have any ideas for this, let us know. And then I'd look at their things and I'd be like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then like, I wouldn't be like, uh, there's other ways around that, you know? So, uh, and, and now in writing, it's like, just like, I have lots of people I've worked with or contacts and I just want to write them and be like, just like you said, like, what, what shows are going, what's happening? Like, where can I pitch? And a lot of it is just this thing to shake where you think, isn't anyone going to reach out to me? Right. Isn't anyone going to reach out to me? And then it's like, yeah. Like when you're in a room with a bunch of people and then you go home for the day and then the job's over and then someone might write you and say, hey, I was thinking of this, you know, but not when you're like at home and they're doing something far away. Right. <laughs> I think my tape guy is here, dude. All right. Well, this is good. We should wrap up. Actually, we're in a good yeah. group, but we should we should we should wrap up. So um, thank you so much for uh, being on the show again, for coming back and, and talking. This was nice. This was a, this was like a like this was a I don't know. A, feels like a, a chill episode. This is like a very like conversational. Uh, yeah, I hope and, I hope this uh, was I like, a good I one. I like the tone of this one. Yeah. Nice. I mean, I love talking, you know, that's why we have, this is what chat number three between the two of us. Something like that. But it feels like more right. have happened, but that's because we're in touch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, uh, um, give us, it's so give funny because your... I think when I interviewed you, yeah, I was sort of going through some kind of soul searching moment. Now it feels like today you're more in the soul searching moment. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm just kind of like thinking about how to kind of like recalibrate my work life balance. And well, you can do it. Being a bit more <clears throat> of a like grown up job. For all you know. You might be doing it already, Maybe. and just it's just frustrating because it's not happening fast enough. Yeah, I don't know. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Do your plugs. Give us your give us your oh, info. Where can people find you? Um, and shit? You can follow me at the Flans or Nick Flan Weekly. You can listen to my podcast, Nick Flan Weekly. You can buy my albums, Wiped Privilege, and I'm here all week. And you can find my band Wrong Hole at wrongholemusic.bandcamp.com. Hell yeah. We're going to put all those links in the show notes and uh, you know, follow them and all that shit. Yeah. That's great. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, man. Thank you once again to Nick Flanagan for being on the show. Come back on the show anytime. Be a, a, a triple guest. I don't care. Whenever. Who gives a shit? I'll have him back on the show next week. I don't care. I probably not next week. I already got a guest for the next week, and it's an exciting one. Barring any unforeseen circumstances, it's gonna be a cool one. We got a, a jujitsu expert. Speaking of jujitsu, uh, it's gonna be cool. Anyway, looking forward to that. Looking forward to a lot of stuff. Hey, follow me at Bradical Pearson on Instagram and Twitter. Follow the show at Selfworst on Instagram. Patreon.com slash selfworst. Help us out. Little as a dollar a month to get bonus content and shit. Stuff I cut out of the episodes because it's too long or whatever. Deleted scenes. Commentary tracks. All the shit you used to get on a DVD. It's all on there. Trailers. Whatever. Whatever you want. 
That's all. Anyway, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go get some dinner and uh, do some stuff around the apartment. Ain't nothing, you know. I, I was just saying at the top of the show how much I, I love having my little apartment, and my little family here. But ugh, there's nothing like just having the house to yourself for a while. Oh my god, Papa needs that. You need some alone time every once in a while. Or, in fact, quite frequently. It's good. It's good for you. Go get some alone time. Do you know, hang out with your people. Do your thing. But also, take some time for yourself. Have a nice Epsom salt bath. Those muscles are getting sore. Take some selfies. Take some nudes in your room by yourself. Feel sexy. Do a thing. Go for a walk. Just go sit on a bench and stare off into the middle distance for like an hour. No podcast, no headphones on, no nothing. Just just sit and stare with your mouth gaping open. That's your homework. All right. I'm going to get out of here. I love you. I die for you. I kiss you on the lips. Until next week. Go out and fail. It's good for you. Bye.